Napa know-how. It takes a lot to get excited about a bag, but most bags can't save you 20% on auto parts. That's 20% off headlamps, 20% off oil filters, 20% off virtually anything you can fit inside the 99-cent Napa reusable bag. So tell your buddies, there's a bag they just have to check out. Quality parts, helpful people. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. At participating Napa Auto Parts stores while supplies last. Minimum three items. Exclusions apply. Offer ends 10-31-17. You are Locked On Magic, your daily Orlando magic podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Locked On Magic podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. A special Orlando Magic Daily Podcast edition. This will be a longer conversation uh, between myself, uh, Philip Rossman-Reich, the site expert and editor over to Orlando Magic Daily, and our good friend Adam Papa Giorgio, Magic Basketball Online. Adam, welcome back, man. How are you doing? How's your summer been? Uh, very busy, Phil. Long time no talk, man. Good, good chatting with yeah, you. Yeah, the off season uh, gets us gets us too se- separated sometimes. Uh, we all kind of go in our on our different ways, but. You know, those voluntary workouts are going on at the Amway Center. The voluntary podcasts are coming on for the for the for the bloggers. We're 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 getting we're getting our reps in before training camp begins. Yeah, I got a lot of rust to shake off, so let's <laughs> let's get into it. Let's 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 find a way to shake off that rust. But and instead of talking about this year's team, because I'm sure uh, we'll get into that plenty as the as the year goes on, as as we get closer to training camp, and I'm sure you'll get into that plenty on your site as well as well as your podcast. Uh, Penny and Pop shows, I believe, right? Yeah, it's the Penny. Yeah, the Penny and Pop's podcast. We're 15 episodes in. We just did uh, this fun little special episode before I went to Vegas for a Labor Day weekend bachelor party that I had to host. Uh, we did the uh, best Magic playoff series victories. Uh, myself and my colleague uh, Spencer Penny Strode. We uh, we did a like draft style basically. So we each drafted five series, and uh, it's a lot of fun and. Most people won't know this, but the Magic have actually only won 11 playoff series all time, so we're still uh, quite a young franchise. I was, I was going to say, are there are there 10 playoff series to draft in Magic history? There were, and one of them got left off. Um, I'm, I'm sure you can maybe guess the year. Maybe not. I don't know. Maybe, maybe some diehards could guess the year, but uh, yeah, if you ha- if you haven't listened to it, it's it's pretty unique and it's it's crazy pulling up just some of the past history and. And just how some of those series played out. Yeah, well, history is something we're going to talk about today. It being the dead point of the off season. Uh, obviously, some celebration going on outside with the sirens. Uh, but this being the the dead point of the off season before training camp begins, it's it's been a time for some history and some lists lists being done uh, in response to OrlandoMagic.com making their list of the top twenty five players. They had fans vote on who the top twenty five players were. I had the Orlando Magic Daily staff talk uh, or make a list of our own of the top 25 players in Magic history. And when it comes to Magic history, there's probably no one better to talk to uh, than you and me, Adam. Sorry to ev- yeah. sorry to anyone else, but at least in the blogosphere, Adam and I uh, are going to crack the most Isaac Austin jokes out of anyone. And, and that's that's pretty much the, the barometer. Oh, God. Um, Adam, what did, what did you think of the OrlandoMagic.com list when you saw it? Obviously, I think we all kind of agree, and, and it kind of seemed like the Orlando Magic agreed as well that Vince Carter was a little too high. Uh, but what did you think when you, as you saw that list play out? Um, I, I think our fans need a little, little bit more of an education on on the past. <laughs> uh, not not to be too harsh on them, but 
Um, there's way too much bias bias towards the recent players. When I see guys like uh, you know Victor Oladipo and Vince Carter, you know, crack the top 25 or, or uh, uh, the crack the top 20 or whatnot, um, you know, it it, it it leaves me scratching my head just a little bit. Uh, I think you and I just before the show were talking about Ronnie Cycli, how he miraculously did not make that top 25 list, and your staff wisely got him into the top yes. 20. Yes, yes, we did. Uh, only 20, know, it, though. Uh, only 20, and, and certainly our list had some recency bias in it as well. Yeah, yeah a little bit, uh, especially kind of on the power forward. And, you know, you, you got Horace down at 13, I want to say, when yeah, I that's, have him actually rated above I'm gonna, Richard Lewis. I'm going to raise, raise my hand there. That was my fault. Uh, I accidentally left him off my list, and by the time I compiled the, the, the final rankings, I was like, I'm not going to go back and do it. Uh, it was my first, that was my first draft. I regret that. I, I seriously regret that. Um, I would move Horace up probably above Vucevic and, and probably Scott Skiles as well. So maybe he, I mean, he probably may not even crack my top 10 still, but uh, Horace is obviously one of the most important players in Magic history. I, I don't think they get to the finals in 95 without him. Uh, and his well, absence is always, was always noticeable um, in big games. Well, on a history basis, I mean, you look at Horace, Horace is one of the first big free agents in NBA history, let alone, the first big free agent signing the Magic ever had, honestly. I mean, when you look at what the Magic had to do just to kind of, you know, create room or just create enough just roster space to get him on there to begin with, and then to see, you know, you got a 22, 23-year-old Penny and Shaq needing a little bit of uh, veteran guidance. They weren't getting that from Tom Tolbert at Power Forward. So <laughs> no. They, they, uh, Stanley they Roberts wasn't quite went, a veteran and they, guy, and, and they went for a guy who had rings in Horace Grant. And, I mean, when he came in, I think he was, if not 29, 30 years old when the Magic brought him in. And he had a heck of a run with that team. Um, even, you know, the second run wasn't as pretty. Um, I think Doc Rivers could attest to that. But um, I, I think uh, for what Horace did – and you look at some of the series. I mean, you just look at that 95 series against Chicago. Phil Jackson dares Horace to beat him. He beats him. Um, there's a couple of series in 95 and 96 where he's averaging a double-double. Um, I mean, he he really mastered that mid-range jump shot. Um, I kind of joked a lot last year how Jason Smith was burying jumpers like a, like a version 2.0 Horace Grant. Um, and to see what Horace could do. He could bang low. He could cut. He, I mean, he, he didn't need the ball, but he always ended up with the ball just because you either have to, you know, double shack, you're either leaving Dennis Scott or Nick Anderson open for three, or you got Penny carving you up all over the court. So that left Horace, and he was more than happy to uh, get a lot of open looks. Yeah, ab- absolutely. Uh, I, have, I have nothing but good things to say about Horace Grant, and I'm still, like, slapping, you know, sl- smacking my head in disbelief that I was it's the off season, such an man. idiot. Don't worry I know, it. I, I know. I gotta, I gotta be on my game. I gotta, I gotta strap my goggles on. I, I've got, I've got a pair of Horace Grant goggles still, um, which I am jealous of. That's, yes. that's some, that's some things that that's something my, I, I, I've, I've, I've still, I've still got my my Horace Grant rubber ducky here. Um, you can hear it squeaking. Uh, this awesome. is this is a uh, this is a collector's item. Not even Horace Grant had this before the 25th anniversary season when Dante Marcatelli gave him his. Uh, but yeah, I I missed that giveaway night. Unfortunately, <laughs> I, I missed out on that. So I'm I'm very low on Horace Grant memorabilia. 
Yeah. Um, but uh, not notwithstanding uh, leaving Horace Grant out, um, you know, there were, there's certainly some recency bias. Um, I, I've got the OrlandoMagic.com list up here. Uh, J.J. Redick came in at 16, Nikola Vucevic at 14, Victor Oladipo at 18, Ryan Anderson at 19, Tobias Harris at 22, Aaron Aflalo at 23. So certainly some some newer guys got in on, on our list on OrlandoMagicDaily.com. We had Vucevic at 12. Um, again, maybe move him down to 13 because Horace should be higher. Uh, J.J. Redick at 18, Victor Oladipo at 19, uh, Tobias Harris at 23, Ryan Anderson at 24. So certainly some of the recent guys do get in. But let's talk about the top of this list. I think we all know that there is a clear definitive top four, and it's just how you want to order them when it comes to Magic history. Um, we, ha- we have the Mount Rushmore. as We, we have a Mount Rushmore. Like if, if, if we were to take the Bill Simmons uh, Pantheon idea or how he thinks the Hall of Fame should be structured where – you know, you move up into into a different room, and it's it's you know more narrowly focused. That top room has got four guys, and and you don't need to debate it. And it's going to be hard to 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 displace one of those four guys or equal them in any way. Uh, Dwight Howard, Shaquille O'Neal, Penny Hardaway, Tracy McGrady are your top four in Magic history. Uh, yep. How do you how do you rank them? I uh, the Matt Matt Orlando Magic went nostalgic and had Shaq, Penny, Dwight, T Mac. Um, our staff went. Dwight Howard, nearly unanimous. Only one person picked Shaq. Shaq two, Penny three, T Mac four. How how do you rank rank them on uh, as, as far as you see? So I'm I'm pretty much yeah I'm pretty much in agreement with your site, Phil. Um, I go with Dwight over Shaq uh, one two. Uh, I think Dwight just has a longevity. He doubled up Shaq's tenure, even though Shaq's years were more dominant per se. And the fact that look, Shaq did put the franchise on the map not just in the NBA, but around the world. Um, but Dwight also, you can't just, you can't forget that what he had, had done in his eight years in Orlando. I know there's still a lot of hatred. I obviously dislike the man still <laughs> myself, but I, I'm not one to forget history. And, you know, back when the Magic were looking to keep the team in town, basically, when there was that controversy about, you know, trying to get a new stadium deal set, you know, they're in with people were thinking was an aging arena and they were looking to solidify you know the next 30 years with a new building Dwight was a big reason why that got done I think or it it got done with as less of a hitch than it could have been because there were other cities you know around the country I think St. Louis Louisville I think Kansas City those were like your three trying to grab the magic Um, you know as far as just performance goes Dwight was a walking 20-20 every night. You couldn't necessarily say that about Shaq. Shaq could score, but his defense was nowhere near as good as Dwight's, nor was his rebounding necessarily. Um, And in regards to just, you know, overall success, you look at Dwight, what he did for his team in 09 in comparison to what Shaq did for his team in 95. Shaq gets schooled by Hakeem Olajuwon in the 95 finals. Dwight actually at least helps the team win one game in the finals. And if you go by that, that 9 team is technically better than the 95 finals team. Yeah, and it's not a knock on Shaq. It's not to say Shaq isn't a great isn't a great player. And certainly, no. I think, and certainly, I think um, fans will continue to debate Dwight or Shaq forever. I mean, and frankly, history will probably wind its way to Shaq because Shaq's going to be in the Hall of Fame, and, and it's looking like um, if Dwight's career continues the way it's gone, he's probably not going to make good on the Hall of Fame promise. 
uh, that that he seemed to have earlier in his career. But Dwight, he's still going to make the Hall of Fame. It's you just still not think so. Be- Oh, yeah. I, I think he's a lock, man. When you win three straight Defensive Player of the Years, he should have won MVP in 2011. I'm I sorry, agree with that. but Dwight should have won tw- MVP in 2011. I think he he can stop now, and I think he's a Hall of Famer. I wow. really do. Yeah, I, I, unfortunately, I think the narrative on him, unfairly to Dwight, and I think that's a big thing that, that gets played into, into Dwight Howard's legacy is this narrative that he wasn't a good offensive player, that he didn't have this dynamic postgame, because, frankly— he didn't need one. In the NBA that he, he had played post in, moves. I'm sorry. He, had he, post he, moves. Had, he was he a great post. post he was not. He's not a great post player, but he was a good post player. And frankly, Clifford Ray showed him a few things. Even when you go back to like Mark Bryant, I mean, he he learned some. He he learned enough. And you don't score 40 points in deciding Game Six of the Eastern Conference Finals if you can't score in a in a wide variety of ways. Yeah, ab- absolutely. In 2011, he showed a really really advanced post game. Like. It, uh, when he nearly won, when he should have won the MVP, it was because he took his offense to another level that he hadn't taken it before. He showed counter moves and and some some fantastic moves. And and frankly, you know, Dwight changed games defensively by his mere presence. Um, oh yeah. You don't see a lot of NBA players that just make the best player in the world think twice about attacking the basket. The Magic always had a chance to win to win the title or at least compete with the Cavaliers and then the Miami Heat because Dwight Howard made LeBron James pull up. And there's not a player in the league that does that anymore, to be frank. And that is really the biggest compliment you have. He was just this defensive juggernaut. And unfortunately, you know, the the casual fan does not appreciate defense in the same way they do looking at offensive numbers and Shaq's raw numbers look really, really good. But when you, when you look a little closer, because I've gotten into this debate with some people when, We've said that consistently that Dwight is a better center for the Magic, at least, than Shaq was. We're not saying Dwight's better all-time than Shaq, just in the, no, ma- no, the Magic. No, no, about the Magic. For the, ma- for the Magic years. Uh, Dwight just, he really changed the game defensively. And anyone that makes Vince Carter a decent defender, or Jim- even, Jim- I mean, we you know, God love Jameer Nelson, but makes Jameer Nelson a decent defender, you know, that's a pretty incredible accomplishment. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, uh, you know... It, there's a lot of similarities between Shaq and Dwight. Obviously, shooting's a big issue, free throw line shooting. Um, you know, there were, I can't remember how many years in a row Dwight would whip out like this bank shot jumper or just a jumper in general in the preseason only to keep it on the shelf when the regular season started. It's and, already it's already started again. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're, they're showing, you know, they're, he's, he's showing, he's showing off those he's threes showing, and stuff. He's shooting someone, threes, I think, now. Someone, someone, someone sent me a video with the with the comment attached to it, the magic made a mistake not going after Dwight Howard, and I and I tweeted back at him. I saw this tape in 2010. It's not it's not happening. No, it's it, it, it's it, kind of it's, it's kind of like the I, I think I just listened to a, a, a Chris Mannix uh, uh, Dennis Scott podcast where they're talking about how Shaq spent like a week shooting underhand three, you know, free throws and he just he didn't stick with it basically, and it's kind of like that with Dwight. You know, he would go in the offseason a couple times and train with Hakeem Olajuwon. He'd learn all this stuff and whatnot. And at the end, he would just kind of go to what he knew. And in some regards, that's what limits him. But he was still great enough to be considered the greatest Magic player of all time. And like you said, that's a big testament to mostly just the defensive beast that he was. 
I mean, it's to me, I think the perception on Dwight um, is going to be kind of a, a let bygones be bygones. Time does heal all wounds. Even Shaq was cheered uh, when he uh, returned to Orlando for the Hall of Fame induction last or two seasons ago now. Uh, I think that's just going to be the case. I do expect Dwight to come home at some point and get love from the fans for everything that he did because whether you like Dwight or not, those five, six, those five, six years the Magic were in the playoffs and legitimately believed they could win a championship was the best five, six-year run in Magic history. And, you know, a lot of these lists come down, you know, a lot of, like, awards lists or a lot of these lists come down to who was the best player on the most teams Dwight Howard was the best player on the best Magic teams, or on the best run the Magic ever had. Uh, yeah. and so that that deserves some credit to him, um, even over Shaq, who may have been a more dominant post score, put up put up better numbers. Um, the longevity, of course, plays a role, but Dwight was the best player on the best Magic teams. Uh, you know, maybe maybe you disagree with that whole with that notion and think the '95 team was the better team, but Dwight is certainly deserving of respect and and at least being in the discussion if not the best player in magic history i think also one thing that's definitely in dwight's favor is his best years were in orlando we can't say that about Shaq. Yeah. Shaq's best years were in los angeles he even had great years in miami the bitter rival i mean he helped win miami win a title down south <laughs> that that's that's so. one that one still stings me i still am so angry miami won a title before the magic let alone three yeah, there's, there's some catching up to do, and hey, at least this year I think the Magic should be better than the Heat, but I'm sure that's a conversation for another day. Yes, uh, that'll, 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 be another, that'll be another podcast uh, coming up soon. Uh, where, where I think this gets interesting, though, is, is kind of that next tier. Um, when I was comparing the list that we did on Orlando Magic Daily with the one on OrlandoMagic.com, it did kind of seem like uh, you know, the, it crowdsources pretty evenly or, or relatively the same so like that group that's five through ten i would say are also you know seemingly pretty set between like ahito turkaloo nick anderson richard lewis jameer nelson dennis scott daryl armstrong scott skiles horse grant so i guess i could see the 12 um again how you rank order them is intriguing uh but five through 12 also seems like a uh you know a pretty set group of guys who were all, either all star or you know kind of near stars on the Magic, uh, and and big contributors to to some important teams in Magic history. Um, who who do you have number five? Who's that? Who's that first guy off the list? Uh, the Magic and 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 Orlando Magic Daily both had the same guy, and frankly, I have to disagree with both with both of that. Yes, so I think you guys ended up deciding on Hito Turkoglu at yes. five. I got to put Nick Anderson at number five. And I do too. Uh, Nick is. He doesn't get this nickname enough, but he is Mr. Magic. He is the first draft pick of, in the franchise's history. He's played the most games. He's had. He's been there. He was literally there, there as a player for a decade. He's still with the team now. Yes. You know, and it, if you look back, you know most people just remember him as kind of a three and D guy during the you know the mid '90s teams or whatnot. But you look at those early years. He had back to back years where he averaged 19.9 points per game. Didn't make an all-star game. Probably should have maybe one of those two years. If his team were – it's the same – it's kind of the same issue. I mean, it's kind of the same issue that Magic players have now. Like, I mean, for recency, like for recency's sake, like Vuce, he, he put up, you know, kind of similar scoring numbers to Vucevic, uh, but also similar to Vucevic, his team only won 30 games. Sometimes less. Yeah, and sometimes like less. That And 
you know, for All-Star, that matters. The coaches, when they're picking the reserves, want to reward players on winning teams or want to reward teams with a representative rather than necessarily who's putting up the best numbers because there's always a, a good numbers, bad team, you know, players. There's always those players because someone's got to score. Nick Anderson was that guy. Everyone kind of forgets he scored 50 points in a game with the flu coming off the bench. And everyone forgets that, of course, because Shaq tore down the basket that game. But Nick Anderson was a a legitimately good scorer and a guy that the team could rely on. Like even, even when he kind of got pushed back to being the third guy on a team, he, he didn't complain. He just played his role and his, and he fit what that team needed perfectly. Um, You can argue in, in, I mean, in 96, when, when he, when him and Horace Grant went out, like a lot, the soul of the magic was gone. Like they, they were kind of the, the, the passion and the soul of that, of that star laden team. And uh, Nick Anderson, again, to me, is like the soul of the Magic. Like, it, how, it taking so long for the Magic to bring him back in some capacity was, was really strange and really kind of heartbreaking. And now it's great to have him around all the time because he's such, he's, he is Mr. Magic, like you said, and, and we need to get basketball reference to uh, recognize that as a nickname. Yeah, and you know, one thing to also note about Nick, he went from being no type of three-point shooter. He did not shoot threes to pretty much becoming a very reliable three-point shooter all within a very small time frame when it came down to needing to surround Shaq with three-point shooters. Um, you know, Nick was able to just develop his game. You know, unfortunately, the most fans remember him for being, you know, the GOAT in the 95 uh, Game 1 uh, Finals. Um, you know, even though he shouldn't have been on the free throw line, uh, it should have been Brian Shaw at the free throw yes, line. But um, you know, but the other thing that's in Nick's favor is he has the greatest play in Magic history on his side, the steal yes, against Michael Jordan. So it's pretty interesting that he's on both ends of the spectrum, literally. Um, you know, even the game, you know, Shaq's first game back with the Lakers, Penny, I don't think played in that game. No, Nick didn't. Anderson hits the key three pointer to, to win it. Um, does the crazy dance down the, down the, down the parquet court. And, you know, there's, there's a lot of moments. I, I can recall quite a few Nick and Nick Anderson game winners or just clutch buckets or moments or defensive plays. And, you know, I put him over Hito just because Hito had a great run. Hito is a, clutch SOB uh, let's be honest about that um, especially in that 0708 season um, he was he playing should, like he should an have been all-star. an all-star that year he yeah. should have been an all-star in 0708 I there was a I, I can't remember what the clutch numbers were specifically but I think he ranked number one in clutch statistics down the stretch that season because literally I think at three out of four times you gave him the ball with a minute left he was scoring or he was contributing in some manner and it was just ridiculous just how amazing he was in 07-08. And then in 08-09, when he kind of takes more of a backseat to Jameer and Richard as far as scoring goes, there he is during the 09 finals run coming up with big shots. You know, he has that awful first-round series against Phil- in, against Philadelphia in, uh, in 2009, only to hit that game for, uh, you know, game winner to send the series 2-2 back to Orlando. Um, he single-handedly wins Game 7 in Boston to get them to the Eastern Conference Finals. It's the pizza glue game. And, I mean, it's just it, – it's it's amazing how many great moments he has. But there is that exit. The return wasn't as great. And then the final exit is really hurts him as far as how he departed the team in the end. Yeah, and, and if, if not for Stan Van Gundy, you know, 
Stan Van Gundy was was really inventive with how he used his players. Um, you know, again, a, a lot of this could have come from the Tony Batie injury and just kind of the happy accident that was. But uh, the the big the big thing from from Turku that I that I remember is uh, the first part of his tenure with the Magic wasn't very good. If it weren't for Stan Van Gundy coming in and giving him the ball in that non-traditional sense, Turkoglu probably wouldn't even be in the top 25. Um, 2008 was a watershed moment for him. He had two, three really, really good years. Even I mean, even 2007 or uh, 2006 or 2005, I think. Uh, one of those one of those years, he broke his hand late in the season, and that kind of ended the Magic's playoff run. So it wasn't like yeah, that was uh, that was that was in Charlotte. I remember that. Yeah. and I mean, look, he wasn't. Grand he Hill wasn't went out as with the sports good. He wasn't as good in those years, uh, you know, pr- prior to Stan. But I mean, he he, he still put up some pretty good numbers. Um, but he's not. He would not be, you know, in the top six basically if, if without Stan Van Gundy. You know, Stan handed him the keys. It's like, okay, there's two minutes left. You get to be the point forward. Here you go. Make the decisions for me. And Hito did that job fantastically. And, and I think I think that helped Jameer a lot too because moving Jameer off the ball I think helped him uh, a, a, attack other point guards better because, you know, Jameer, Jameer had his size limitations. I know he hates saying – I know he probably hates everyone saying that, but it, it, that's reality. Uh, but uh, – <laughs> Turkoglu take relieving that pressure off of Jameer and allowing him to attack off the ball, be a be a three point shooter. Um, I think was was a big boost for Jameer's career uh, as well. Um, getting back to Nick Anderson, um, I think the big reason Nick Anderson should be five over Hito Turkoglu is because of that kind of psychic connection with the with the Magic. I mean, when I think of Nick, I, I don't think Magic fans even think of the '95 Finals when it comes to Nick Anderson. I think. When they think of Nick Anderson, they think of the steal. Um, the fans who were there think of him, you know, slapping five with every single member of the, every single person on the bench uh, and on the scores table before jumping onto the uh, onto the sticky pad before every game when Paul Porter was screaming, "Here come the magic!" I still I still hate that Paul Porter doesn't say that before every game and someone. I don't think do I, I have a theory that his voice just can't handle it. Um, That's that could be that could be true. You know, I you know. I, that's the one that I probably just need to ask him stories about that. Cause I've heard so many weird stories about Paul Porter and the way the magic used to, used to run game ops. Like I, I've been, I, I, I um, we'll get There's into stuff. Show. They had to stop. There's yes. stuff the league specifically asked him and the game ops crew to stop such as certain music, such as certain sound effects, yeah. such as, I mean, but in that regard too, though, um, I mean, those fans were, were the best in the NBA in the mid-90s. You, you cannot find a better home court than the arena in 95 and 96. You just couldn't. No, no you can't. Um, and, and every time I watch an old Magic game, I just think, man, those games are just so much fun. Um, which well, in, actually, the style, in, the, in the style of play alone, like, I, I remember looking at the, at the Magic. NBA TV ran, is, has been running Shaq Week. and I've been um, watching you know, a lot of those games. games. Was, uh, was like Shaq's 40, I want to say he put 48 points and like 20 rebounds up in an overtime win in Charlotte. Yeah. And just how fast that team played was just they were, ridiculous. They were, like, they were really revolutionary. Like, I mean, oh yeah. if you think, if you think, I mean, when you really think about Magic history, there are two great teams 
completely changed the NBA and the way the NBA. Oh, yeah. Um, and, and Houston was a part of that, too. I, I give credit to Houston. Houston also was a big three-point shooting team. I think the um, Magic did it better. Even though they didn't win the 95 finals, the Magic did it better, and they're still more well-known for it than Houston was. Yes, agreed. Uh, and, and the 2009 team proved that you could win with a three-point shooting team in, a modern, in the modern NBA with a stretch four, and Golden State obviously took that to the next level uh, in, in getting to their final. Going to take a quick break from the podcast here to remind you all to check out the Locked On Podcast Network. There are so many great podcasts on the Locked On Podcast Network, including Locked On Magic, which you, which you should probably subscribe to on iTunes, Audio Boom, Stitcher, tune in anywhere you can find it. Give us a five-star rating. Tell us how much you enjoy the show and uh, check out all of our previous episodes. This is, of course, a special Orlando Magic Daily podcast episode conversation, so it's a little bit longer than our normal conversations. But you can find so many great podcasts on the Lockdown Podcast Network. Uh, every Almost every NBA team and NFL team is now covered with the NFL season beginning on Thursday. You should really check out Locked On Dolphins, Locked On Jaguars, and Locked On Buccaneers. They do a fantastic job covering the state teams here uh, as NFL season gets ready to begin. You can also check out some of the other great podcasts around the NBA network of special interest to Magic fans might be Locked On Hawks. Uh, the latest episode features Brad Rowland talking about the Southeast Division. You should also check out Locked On Fantasy Basketball. I'll actually be on Locked On Fantasy Basketball very, very soon previewing the Magic. So as you get ready for your fantasy basketball season, that is your one-stop shop. Ace is the place with the helpful hardware, folks. It's Ace's biggest LED light bulb sale of the year. Right now, buy one, get one free on our best-selling LED light bulbs. Our four-pack of LED bulbs is $9.99, and our two-pack of LED floodlights is only $12.99. Buy one, get one free. There's no limit on how much you can save, so stock up now. Hurry in. Buy one, get one free on long-lasting 10-year LED bulbs, now through Monday, only at your neighborhood Ace. See participating stores for details. Uh, one thing that, that that I think was interesting in this list, I was, I was talking to some of, of my staff as we were putting this list together, and my staff is kind of young. They, they skew kind of college age, or they. Hey, hey we're still kind of young too. All we're right, we're still kind of young too. Like I like we're still we're still we're still young, but a lot of like we, a lot we've of, seen a lot though in our lives. Like there there was there wasn't ma- like the, our first memories. Each of us are Magic basketball games. Yes, you can yes. see that about other people. You know, in our age group. Basically. Yes, and, and and we're kind of, I mean, you and I are kind of we're we're the generation that grew up. We're the fir- we were the first generation that grew up not knowing what it was like without the Magic, and this now is true. there's you know, a, a generation of, of writers, like I, you know, like we're, we're blogger generation one, blogger generation two is beginning to, to come up and take over some of these sites. Um, uh, and, and we're asking them to please get off our lawn very, very politely. Uh, but they, they, grew well, up, I'm not so polite about it. <laughs> they, they, they grew up watching, not watching Shaq like we did. They grew up watching McGrady or they even grew up watching Howard. And I think what was interesting as I was doing this project was not that there was a recency bias so much that that they they overvalued the players, uh, the modern players, um, but that they didn't quite know much about the history besides what they saw in this magic moment, or you know maybe what the the team shows on the highlight reels. And and again, I think that's probably why a guy like Ronnie Cycli slips, slips through the cracks. Um, how, I guess what I'm I guess I'm kind of rambling on like like a. Like, like a, again, like I'm sitting on my porch trying to tell those kids to turn down their rock and roll music. But 
How does how how do you think that affected affects how guys like Nick Anderson are viewed? How a guy like Daryl Armstrong is viewed? Because you know we're we're a group of ma- you know we probably think Daryl Armstrong's a top ten player in Magic history, and um, he is. <laughs> you know yeah, and it's because we we grew up watching him and being a part of the energy that he had. But I was looking back at his stats the other day, and it's just like I'm gonna. You know, I'm going to have to explain to my kids why Daryl Armstrong was so good, and they're not going to be able to figure out what the he- what the heck I'm talking about because they'll look at Basketball Reference and be like, "Really, this guy? This guy?" I mean, they'll be like fans of other teams, and we tell them, "Daryl, you know, Daryl Armstrong's you know one of our favorite players. He's we we love him to death," and they'll be like, "Really, that guy? The guy who made a layup in the dunk contest? Um, how is how is the passage of time affecting players like like Daryl and?" Even Dennis and uh, and Nick uh, now that now that you know there's a uh, truly a second generation of Magic fans being born because uh, I hate to tell you this Adam I, I know people my age that have kids kids already oh yeah me too Are you kidding me come on now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, see I'm trying to I'm trying to I'm trying to stave off stave that off for a little while longer but <laughs> look I mean it all comes down to highlights it all comes down to what is being hyped up you know online or whatnot. Um, you know, you and I can probably recall a bunch of Pat Garrity, Bo Outlaw highlights where other people can't, you know. I was in the arena for, like, the worst game during the lockout year where Daryl Armstrong gets the steal, where Penny inadvertently uh, set, like, a triple screen against the Sixers to get Daryl a wide-open path where he steals the inbound pass, hits the layup, and I think the Magic won a game 73-72. It's still like one of the craziest moments ever. That's literally the one highlight that many people remember Daryl for. Not even necessarily the layup, just him just like running off, putting his hands up. And, and like complete disbelief and shock. You know, you see like Horace Grant, like Matt Harpering tackling him. Like it's, yeah. um, it's just all about highlights. And, you know, hopefully we'll get to a point where, you know, access to highlights gets better, access to games gets better. It'd be great if like, the team or the NBA would open like the entire game vaults up. We to need, fans. we need, we need like a WWE network for NB for the NBA where you can just watch I mean, any would, random game. I would love watch. to do that. There's, there's so many games that, that we forget or that we don't, you know, we don't re- watch or or whatnot. Like I can remember the game where, you know, the magic could come back and from, I can't remember if it was like 20 points down to the new Orleans Hornets back then, you know, McGrady had a good game. It was Mike Miller's last game. Okay. It's, yeah, I remember that. It was a that. crazy comeback victory. Very few people, it's probably like 0.001% of people, like, remember that game as far as just how, you know, certain highlights or whatnot. Uh, but there are guys like Bo and Daryl and just the Heart and Hustle team alone that you and I enjoy, you know, that we talk about it, but people just don't really understand it. Like, they see, oh, Ben Wallace was on this team, you know. Um, oh, Doc Rivers coached that team, but – they don't see it. It's tough to, I guess, quantify it, really. And like you said, people will look at Daryl's stats. And, I mean, you can pick out some great games. I mean, even in that 0-3 series against Detroit, I want to say. Um, or actually, no, maybe it was the 97 series against Miami. Daryl gets, like, 20 points off the bench. Um, yeah, in, it in sounds Detroit. like that. I was Detroit. Gonna... I, think that was, I think that was Detroit. But, like, you go to, like, the 97 Heat series. Yeah. You know, Magic, Heat, first round. The last time, the only time those two teams – have faced each other in the playoffs, you know, I... That's an epic series. I absolutely adore that, you know, Penny because of those back-to-back games. Um, you know, he puts up 40-plus points in each I, of the game. I still People hate... Forget, 
I still hate Vashon Lenard with a passion because oh, of Vashon game Leonard, one, yeah, because I mean, of game it, one in that series. Nice. Not only that, um, I think it was '99. Um, he hit a three with four tenths of a second left from like mid court to beat the Magic. And I, just, I believe you. It's just but, so yeah, frustrating. I, I always forget, but Vashon Leonard is is technically he's, a Magic killer. He is. So. He is. He is like target number one on my all time Magic killers list. To be frank, uh, you know, but him and among among non stars, Vashon Lenard just uh, just could not stand that guy. Um, yeah, and, and it's just part of just how how society views sports in general. They pick out the stars. They don't necessarily pick out, you know, the gritty guys necessarily. I mean, you go to that 97 series, you know, Ronnie Cycli goes down. His leg is done. Um, Nick Anderson, Brian Shaw, Horace Grant, um, those guys were either hurt or just did not show up in that series. You have guys like Gerald Wilkins and Danny Shays, like, showing up, strapping it yeah. on and, and bringing the support. So, I mean, the way that works, it's just, like I said, it, unless you remember, you know, a lot of people just don't only remember the stars. That's pretty much it. Yeah, and, and that's and that's what a lot of these top 25 lists end up being is, like, who, who, do, you, who do you remember? Like, who, who, who are the players that are kind of essential to telling the story of the Orlando Magic? Um, that's, that's what these lists are really all about, and that's why, you know, Daryl and Bo still get on the list, but... You know, as, you know, generations continue to go, continue to turn as, you know, you move from one rebuild to the next, one superstar to the next, guys get bumped down and kind of forgotten in history. And so, you know, maybe we're just that, being a little overly nostalgic. And that's where stats come in. You look at, you know, Vince Carter. That's why he ended up 10 on the Magic slip. I think Vince Even Carter, though, I think Vince Carter ended up 10. Magic didn't put it, put it in. I was going to say, if they didn't put an end to that uh, voting, um, which I still, I'd be curious what the official reason was for that, but uh, they, they did not include him in the poll after he got the 10, basically. Um, well, we'll have to, we'll have was, to ask, we may, we may, we may find that out off the record, but, but we'll have to ask some people. Um, but pretty much, it, it's kind of like the Victor Oladipo Orlando Sentinel poll where he knocked yeah. off everyone. Um, thanks, thanks, thanks. I think the Magic thanks, wanted B-Town to banners. that because... Because Vince would have uh, would have kept going maybe to into the top five even who knows yeah but. and Vince Vince is still immensely popular I I was not a Vince Carter fan before he joined the Magic no, I think either. I was actively against that trade and, and he's Frank, not in my top twenty five I'm sorry he played and I think a that's, and a half. that's I think it. that's that's perfectly fair I had I had him I I had him on my list uh, he ended up seventeen in. Uh, on the OMD poll, uh, I think he was still he wasn't what the Magic needed in 2010, but he was still very, very he was still very good, uh, and he kept them in at Game One. He had a really good Game One and Game Two of the Conference Finals before he missed those free throws and just kind of lost all confidence in himself, um, which was yeah. which was really sad to see. But uh, you know, I, I think I Vince think Carter still like, is a very popular yeah, I figure. Think, I was gonna say I think a guy like Ryan Anderson might be rated too high, even though he did win Most Improved Player. I can't recall a clutch situation with Ryan Anderson being involved. I don't know if you can. Uh, not particularly. I mean, J- if you're looking clutch situations, you put Jason Richardson ahead of Ryan Anderson. And even then, and, I mean, and, I think Jason Richardson's and then Jason Richardson's rated too high, honestly, yeah. in my mind. But, um, you know, you look at Ryan Anderson. He was a guy who, good regular season stats, playoffs, just could not step up. He yeah. got... You know, overthrown by Brandon Bass. So I mean, the one the one thing the one thing that I would note on the OrlandoMagic.com list before we, we move on to kind of what what our final topic is going to be today, uh, they don't have a lot of guys pre Shaq, um, and not that there's that many. Um, I was able to sneak Reggie Theus under our list. They don't have Mike Miller on their top twenty five either, which I think is is probably a mistake. But 
Um, he can definitely sneak in there. Um, obviously, obviously they don't have Ronnie Sykes. Uh, T-Max best player. Yeah, buddy. Ronnie needs to be in there. Ronnie sure. needs to be in there. Yeah, Ronnie sure. needs to be there. Uh, um, but, like, Mike they, is- as far as guys from that original team or from the pre-Shack era, not that there's that many, um, you know, I snuck Reggie Theus into into the top 25. Um, maybe, a li- maybe he ended up a little too high because he's kind of got some name recognition being Reggie Theus, but he was just essentially the Magic's first quote-unquote star. He was the face of that franchise that inaugural year, the only year he played with them. Yeah, um, I think they, he scored like 19 points per yeah, game, but they got he, Terry, he, gave it, he gave up more than yes, that he on did. the other end. So. Yes, he did, but I don't think the Magic cared very much that first year. I think they were just trying to outscore everybody. Um, Terry Catledge made the list. Um, he needs to be in that top 25. Terry Catledge did some good work those early yeah. years. Does, does, does Otis Smith deserve to be in the top 25? I I would have to look closely. Um, I wouldn't hate you if you put him in the top twenty-five just because he played well. It's just his knees gave out. That was yes, the issue. Yeah. He would have had a longer out, what, career that second year? had his knees not given out. I mean, he has he is one of the one of the you know biggest game winners in Ma- two of the biggest game winners in Magic history in that inaugural year when they beat yeah. when they beat the Bulls in Orlando and then beat the Lakers in Orlando as well. Yeah, Otis Otis could ball, and I mean, most again, it's kind of you know what do you remember recently with him? Kind of the same reason with Scott Skiles, yeah. why why you know Vince Carter beat him in the Magic poll, and why he may not be even just a spot higher, maybe in in other polls or whatnot. Does, does, um, does the, I mean, does, should should we care about that stuff when we're talking about when we're talking about players? Because obviously, fans are going to think of that. I don't, but fans do though. That's yeah. the problem though. Yeah. Fans do. I don't. Um, I don't think about. GM Otis Smith. I think about Otis Smith as the player. What I mean, and Otis Smith is also probably the best GM in Magic. I mean, Gabriel is uh, really Gabriel Williams. Really good. There's some good GMs. Yeah, there, there mean, are some. There, there are a lot of good GMs with a lot of bad moments. <laughs> I mean, that just crushed I, the franchise. Like their 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 failures were their failures and their successes were both spectacular. I mean, here's the. I mean, here here's the thing. If you have to do like a GM ranking, I mean. I don't. I don't want to be mad. I think he's doing a great job. But right now, Rob Hennigan is technically the worst GM in Magic history. Technically, until the Magic start winning games. I, I'd put. I'd put him. I'd put him ahead of Wisebrod. No, see, I can't do that though because Wisebrod. I'm one of the few. Wisebrod got Dwight. Really is big that what you're of the McGrady trade. He got a great haul from the McGrady trade. Kelvin Cato, Steve Francis, Catino Mobley. They worked those first 30 games. They worked. You know, and, and, then, unfortunately, and, then he, and then he traded. Unfortunately, Coutinho. he screwed up though. And then he by traded Coutinho Mobley for Doug Christie. Yeah. Unfortunately, that was his big screw up. But did, the trade did, itself he, was great. He was in the room when no, Dwight drafted, Howard and Jameer Nelson were acquired on he, draft he night. Whether he that. made the final decision or not, we don't know. But uh, you know, Weisbrot was in the room. He technically gets credit for that. And so, you know, the Magic went from a really ugly, you know, year and a half to. Within a few, you know, once Brian Hill get got back to okay, they're back on the rise again. Yeah, yeah, okay. That that that'll that's 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 a conversation perhaps for for another day. And then certainly uh, the opinions on Rob Hennigan run the gamut. Um, you know, I would uh, I might argue process over results, and I like the process at least Hennigan's gone through, if not the results of that process. But uh, oh, me too. No, don't don't get me wrong. I think Rob's doing a wonderful job. It's just he, they got to win now. That's the thing. Yeah, they, he hasn't he hasn't been they as lucky win. as some of the other as 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 the other GMs in Magic history. And it's not even a matter of making your own luck. He he just wasn't lucky at all where he needed to be lucky. Um, 
To close the show out uh, this week is Hall of Fame week, like you mentioned. Over on NBA TV, they've been playing a lot of old Magic games. I've been recording a lot of them to, to watch them at some undisclosed time as well, some random undisclosed time. Uh, this is the first Hall of Famer that the Magic can actually claim, I think. Yeah, I, I'm trying to think. I can't recall any other Ma- any other Hall of Famer that's played for two years or more with the Magic other than Shaquille O'Neal. I, I don't think I... So, like... I don't think I can right now. Yeah, I, I mean, I would... I think Shaq's the first... Magic Hall of Famer. I, I, yes, I know if like they wore ball caps like they do in baseball, he'd probably go in as a Laker. So technically, maybe not. But you know, but I mean, it doesn't seem like many people are really talking or, or celebrating this fact. I mean, I think Shaq still has kind of this tortured legacy in Orlando. Uh, some of it brought up again in the documentary. Some of it tried to be assuaged in the documentary. Whether people want to believe that or not. Um, I think there's still some skepticism and some sour grapes about the way he left and, and how that all went down. But what, I mean, when you look back at Shaq's tenure in Orlando, what is the big thing that we should think of? And, you know, as far as his hall of fame, uh, induction goes, how should magic fans be feeling right, right now as, as he gets ready to be inducted into the hall of fame? I mean, I think they should there, should. there should be a little bit of pride because I mean, he did it here first. I mean, he became Shaq in Orlando. He didn't become it in L.A. Um, he, you know, people were like, uh, you know, always make the argument, oh, he didn't become a big star until he came to L.A. Well, that's wrong. That's yeah, very know, wrong. He his first two movies in Hollywood. He was still a member of the Magic when he did his first two movies. You know, people have make the argument that you can't be a star in a small market. Well, Shaq disproved that. I can remember, you know, those commercials during, you know, I think it's not the 95 finals, the 96 finals, you know, he's doing like the tandem bike thing with Hakeem Olajuwon, like after the series. They had had the Um, one-on-one pay-per-view special that got canceled. Yeah. That was was my first pay-per-view buy as as a child. It wasn't boxing. It wasn't wrestling. It was to watch Shaq go one-on-one with Hakeem Olajuwon. Wow. Yeah, I, I did not partake in that. So uh, in some ways, I guess I'm glad I didn't miss that. Well, so. we all got our money back because Akeem, Akeem had to pull out because of an injury. Yeah. Um, God, I, I forgot that. Wow. Oh, man. Okay. Uh, I mean, look, look at Shaq's first game against the Miami Heat that opening night. You know, it's hit, you know, the most memorable thing is this seven foot two guy dribbling the ball almost full court up the court for an, a dunk. And if people didn't fall in love with him before that, they did after that dunk. And it's kind of just the beginning, you know, the early glimpses of what his legacy would be. He was bigger than life. He was bigger than, you know, he was this, you know, gliding phenomenal athlete in a frame that should not have been able to do what he did. Um, You know, the early years before, I guess, maturity had to kick in due to media, due to, um, just life situations, you know, there's just, just this gleaming kid who's got this big smile on his face, who though once he stepped on the court wanted to eat you alive. And he had the personality to back it up. And he he was the ideal marketing guy, you know, marketing machine, and you know, in his in or in his time in Orlando. It got bigger as the titles came with the Lakers and you know when he went to LA, but that all started in Orlando and Folks in Orlando, folks, even if you weren't born in Orlando, even if you didn't get to watch Shaq in Orlando, you should still take pride in the fact that we had him here for four years. 
Yeah, and the fact that he still lives here. I mean, he still calls Orlando home and, and never never completely left, even though he, he did physically leave. And, and the way he left was certainly part of the story, too, as, as we saw in the documentary. And there's obviously a lot of Shaq nostalgia going going around. Uh, He's still a big presence in the community. Kids, yeah. kids you know, no matter, you know, no matter what age you are, whether you're 5 or 95, everyone knows who Shaq is. That's the great thing. That's one thing that... You know, even as the years will continue to go by, it's kind of like with Wilt Chamberlain, like ever or Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Everyone's going to know who Shaq is. And so, you know, the fact that he still calls Orlando home, he brings in, you know, he, he still contributes his resources to community causes. I think he owns businesses here. Um, I mean, he's he still has, you know, has a big role here. Um, whether he means... Means it or not that, you know, he wishes he never left Orlando in 96. Who knows? But, um, you know, the Mag- Magic fans and just Orlando residents in general should take pride that, you know, one of their own is going in the Hall of Fame. And I still consider Shaq one of Orlando's own at this point. Yeah. And, and like, I, you know, when I think when I think of Shaq, it, they, he really was two different players. The version he was in Orlando was not the same as the version he was in L.A. No. Uh, like, like you said, in, in Orlando, he was this – crazy athletic big man who could just do everything um just anything he wanted to do on the court he could he could do um he wanted to outmuscle you he could outmuscle you uh he wanted to uh he wanted to to beat you off the dribble he'd beat you off the dribble uh in LA he became this giant behemoth and and that and he was great at that too like that's the incredible thing about Shaq um he had the athleticism to be both a uh, really strong, a really versatile player uh, at the center position, and also a traditional back to the basket. I'm going to overpower you, center, uh, like he was in LA, and just an incredible passer, and and all this other and all this other stuff. Um, he, you know, not that winning a championship doesn't bring joy, but I think that youthful energy about Shaq was really what made him special in Orlando. And you know, I was watching. Um, and I wrote about it a little bit, the last game that Shaq played in Orlando, and you could definitely sense that that had gone away a little bit, just the pressure of winning it that's, had begun suck, kind of sucking the joy out as, as, you know, there was so much going on in that 96 season. Uh, but Shaq was always at his best when he was just loose and playing free. And honestly, I, I'd rather watch that, not, that Magic version of Shaq play than the Lakers version of Shaq play because the, the Magic version of Shaq was just oh, yeah. all fun. Um, yeah, I mean, Shaq would purpose- at all. Yeah, I mean, look, Shaq would purposely dive into the fans, like on purpose. He would just oh, want to get involved in the stand. He admitted it. I mean, he he just wanted to get involved with the fans. I'm surprised he never murdered anyone, but uh, <laughs> he, he came close. Well, a well Brad, times. Brad Miller, Brad Miller would would saw his life flash before his eyes. Well, I'm just talking about fans, but yeah, when we talk <laughs> about players, I think like Chris Dudley's like spine went out of place when he put you know, when Shaq you know pushed him after he teabagged him on a dunk, basically. Like it's it's just you know it's just hilarious, just some of Shaq's moments. You know, and that was with the Lakers, of course, but um, you know with the Magic. I mean, it's really it's tough to really just explain Shaq to anyone that never really got to watch or witness or. Just, just see what he did while he was with Orlando. Like you said, unfortunately, people are going to remember him more with the Lakers, even even with the Heat. Um, you know, people joke about his cup of coffee with like Phoenix, Cleveland, and Boston. Um, but his, I, I still think his best, just appealing. You know, the way he played 
his most appealing basketball was while with the Magic in Orlando. Um, I'm sure Lakers fans will want to kill kill us for that, but um, it, it's really just tough to explain Shaq in, in to and to summarize him. But if you get a chance, watch as many Magic games with Shaq in it as much as possible. Um, you know, unfortunately, like you said, it the finish in '96. You know, it's really tough to actually just pinpoint what caused Shaq to leave. Some of it could have been off the court. Um, you know, it kind of gets mentioned in the 30 for 30, but not really. You know, many people remember Shaq flying in after, uh, I think he was attending his grandmother's funeral up in Newark. Yeah. He comes back for the Bulls game down in Orlando when there's an argument to be made that maybe the Magic shouldn't have asked him, or supposedly the Magic asked him to fly back down for the Bulls game. You know, maybe they shouldn't have done that. Um, you know, Dennis Scott kind of mentions that in the Chris Mannix podcast that's, that that was, was the moment where, where Shaq uh, was kind of you know feeling turned off to staying in yeah, Orlando. And honestly, like the way they the way they portrayed that 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 moment in the thirty for thirty, it was like this is a national TV game. We need Shaq here. It was almost like if that had happened today, with the NBA as comfortable as it is financially. Like they would never, they would never have said, "Oh, we need him back." It's a national TV game. Like that wouldn't have no. been in the thought process at all. Like back then, like I, I don't remember what it was. I mean, I don't remember the NBA ever being on shaky footing. But you know, in '96, you're a decade removed from the NBA really being on tape delay. So being on NBC, being on national TV, was still a big deal for marketing oh, yeah. the league. And so you you wonder you wonder if the if the Magic or the or the league felt very, you know, if the Magic in their position in the league felt more comfortable where the league was at financially. And remember, they, but they, they came out of a lockout in 95 and they were headed toward a lockout again in 99. Like, no one really understood the money that was about to come down, uh, not only that summer for Alonzo Mourning and Shaquille O'Neal, uh, and, and Jawan Howard, <laughs> uh, but also the money that was going to be coming in for Kevin Garnett a few years later and then the lockout that would cause, that, that, that caused in 99. Um, you know, there was definitely yeah. some economics that, you know, just didn't make sense. And, and, you know, for all the luck the Magic had in getting Shaq and Penny, they had really bad luck not getting Shaq the one year, getting Shaq the one year there wasn't going to be restricted free agency because if there was restricted free agency, they would have matched what the Lakers gave them, and that would be that. And, you know, we'd probably be talking about the Magic winning the 99 finals or the 2000 finals, and, and all those Lakers championships might be in Orlando instead. Yeah, it's 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 depressing to think about, yeah. but it's true. And I think you know, there's an article whoever, on you know, you know, whoever is to blame, whether it's ownership, whether it's you know Shaq's agent, whether it's the media for kind of airing out Shaq's personal laundry in '96, it's tough to say. It could have been just all those things combined. It could have been. It could, have been, it could certainly certainly could have also been the fans for also not recognizing the economic shift that was occurring in sports at the time. Well, then I think we were just so Orlando was just so spoiled with how good this team yeah. got at such an early rate. I think the Magic were the second uh, fastest franchise to ever make the finals, um, which was in their sixth season, and it's just it was just you know it's just they they see two stars and they're like oh, okay you know it's not supposed to be that easy. It's not supposed to be that easy, and I think Oklahoma City kind of found that out the hard way too this summer, and it's just going to be. It, it it's just sad sad a little bit now when you when you think about what could have been of course the magic easily could have won multiple championships um and unfortunately once Shaq departed 
Penny's legs failed him, and that's when you know the, the the downslide definitely you know escalated. So, but again, I think Magic fans should take pride in Shaq being in the Hall of Fame. It'll be interesting to see how much the mat, uh, you know, how much Shaq talks about his Magic years. Um, I'm assuming he's going to mention him a little bit at least. I would hope so. Um, none of his speakers are Magic related, other than I guess uh, Dr. J. Even though Dr. J came after and, Shaq. Uh, Julius Erver. Yeah, he came after, so that doesn't count. But um, it, it'll be interesting. To I, see I'd be I'd be curious. Uh, I'd be works. curious if if Penny makes a trip up to Springfield uh, to be there with Shaq. Uh, I would be curious if I mean Jerry Kraus or is it Reinsdorf getting inducted or Kraus getting inducted? Oh, I I don't know actually. What a, that, either that, either I think Reinsdorf mind. is getting inducted this year too. So I'd be curious if Horst Grant also makes the trip up to Springfield. Um, I, I would imagine there'll be a decent Magic contingent up there. Um, I, I have no idea. I mean, we're, we're going to find out. Uh, I would bet Pat Williams and John Gabriel will be there. Uh, I'm going to have to watch. I'm going to have to tape this Friday and watch it now. Uh, oh, I, 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 yeah, I'm definitely DVRing just just for the entire class itself. Let alone yeah, it's check, a good class. But, uh, I mean, I, yeah, Iverson's, yeah. Iverson's speech will be epic, um, and and I'm sure he will be wearing the greatest suit slash T-shirt ever. I don't think he's going to be wearing a suit. <laughs> Let's put it no, that way. No, he's not wearing a suit. He, I, Allen Iverson does not wear suits. Would he be the first to not wear a suit at the Hall of Fame? It wouldn't I, surprise I me. Would. What's that? It wouldn't surprise me. Yeah, I think I think he'd be the first inductee not to wear a suit. So I, I, I would be stunned if he wears one. Um, Iverson always has to do things his own way and is also probably at the top of the magic killer list. Uh, Adam, yeah. thanks, thanks for coming on and, and talking some magic history with me. Uh, Always a fun project. We'll probably do it again next year because we'll forget everything that we did the year before. Um, I got to come and, up with my top 100 list, man. <laughs> oh, I, I will. I will gladly help you out with that. I, I've got a spreadsheet um, that I'm. I, I've got. I've got a secret project I'm working on. Uh, that's okay. very much that 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 whole idea. So uh, I'll, I'll show you my spread. I'll show you my spreadsheet uh, one day, um, probably sooner rather than later. Um, uh, on on that because uh, we're, we're we're probably a little too magic history obsessed. Uh, Adam, uh, let everyone know where they can find you and find the, uh, the, the Penny and Pop show. So um, my Twitter handle is at Papa Giorgio MBO. Uh, if you want, uh, well, the website is magicbasketballonline.com. If you want to follow the uh, MBO uh, Twitter uh, story only feed, uh, that's at Magic MBO. Uh, the Penny and Pops podcast can be found on SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher, Google, Google Play Music, and probably everywhere else. So uh, we appreciate the listens, and uh, it's my pleasure being on uh, on your show, Phil. Yeah, that, always always glad to have you on, Adam. Definitely listen to the Penny and Pop show. Uh, a real, they do they, you guys do a fantastic job breaking down the magic. Uh, always good Thanks. to get always good to get different voices. Uh, you know, we we all have our opinions on the team, and uh, we'll we'll talk about uh, next year's team another day uh, because there's a lot there's there's so much to talk about when it comes to the Orlando Magic. Uh, you can always follow me. Uh, on Twitter at OmagicDaily. Be sure to follow uh, our podcast, the Locked On Magic Podcast. You can find us on iTunes, Audio Boom, and Stitcher. Uh, be sure also to follow the other great podcasts on the Locked On Podcast Network. Uh, podcasts that could be of special interest to Magic fans. Over on Locked On Hawks, Brad Rowland breaks down the Southeast Division. Uh, the Magic are one of those teams, so maybe you might be interested. Who knows? Um, be sure to go check that out and all the other great podcasts on the Podcast Network. I know Locked On Fantasy Basketball is also doing their preseason previews right now. Uh, so as you're getting ready for your fantasy seasons, that is the one 
place to go. Thanks everyone again for listening today and we will check you out again tomorrow for a much shorter episode. Uh, this has been Locked On Magic Podcast. We'll see you tomorrow. You're Locked On Magic, your daily podcast on the Orlando Magic, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. It's Ace's biggest LED light bulb sale of the year. Right now, buy one, get one free on our best-selling LED light bulbs. Our four-pack of LED bulbs is $9.99, and our two-pack of LED floodlights is only $12.99. Buy one, get one free. There's no limit on how much you can save, so stock up now. Hurry in. Buy one, get one free on long-lasting 10-year LED bulbs, now through Monday, only at your neighborhood Ace. See participating stores for details.